Thank you for joining us here on Talk Money on AM 990. Of course, I am Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. David Land is a chartered financial analyst, uh, one of the portfolio managers at Advantage Capital Management, a frequent guest on the show. David, welcome and good morning. Thank you, Keith. I appreciate it. Last week, we had a guest that we talked about what was going on domestically. I'm really thinking that I want to talk about the U.S. strength as you define it for us. But at the same time, I really want to dig into Europe because this is an issue. I mean, Spain has now doubled. Well, no, there were 20 percent unemployment, I believe. Brazil's been downgraded. Uh, so the foreign equity market is uh, kind of something I want to do, specifically Europe. But start with the U.S. Tell us what you see. Well, in the U.S., uh, the latest GDP report, uh, which has come out from the Bureau of Economic Analysis, shows strong quarter-over-quarter growth in the U.S. Uh, we think consumer uh, looks pretty strong. Uh, if you look at retail sales that are reported, they look good. Consumer confidence reported by the University of Michigan, uh, strong. On the jobs front, uh, reported by the Department of Labor, we see uh, jobless claims falling. And jobs created have been running around, let's call it approximately 200,000 a month. The last month was a little bit weaker. But all very good news in the U.S. reflected, as, as you've uh, alluded to, the strength in the U.S. stock market. So the U.S. is actually doing quite well. Uh, contrast that with, with as you mentioned, uh, you mentioned Spain, but the whole Eurozone uh, looks a little bit weaker. Uh, inflation there is, is barely alive, so they're worried about deflation, which most people aren't familiar with, which is a period of uh, when prices start to fall. So, you know, year over year, the price of your car would be less, the price of your house would be less, uh, and that usually tends to be a problem because people tend to delay consumption. And then, as you mentioned, not, not only is the unemployment rate high in Spain, it's pretty much high in most European countries because economic growth is anemic and they're facing this uh, weak picture in inflation. But so about, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I just, you know, the, the, un, the unemployment situation in Europe is horrible. You know, 25% in Spain, but 50% among youth. Yeah. You know, they're getting this whole lost generation. But Germany seems to be Germany's rocking and rolling. Yeah, a little so bit different. What is Germany? How do you, David, how do you feel Germany plays into this? When you look at a low unemployment rate, they got so much revenue that, uh, I mean, they're just, they're making money. And, uh, you know, they're saying that they're going to continue. They're, they're, they're borrowing Money at, uh, you know, nothing compared to what it used to be. So thoughts, I mean, thoughts about Germany. Well, I think that's a good point because what they did when they went to a common currency, uh, they went to one central bank, uh, the ECB, the European Central Bank. And what, what you're pointing out is it, it's largely influenced by, by Germany, given their economic uh, position uh, and the size of their economy relative to the other European countries. And what's best for Germany in terms of monetary policy and interest rates may not necessarily be what's best for the rest of Europe. And that's a tension that plays out at the European Central Bank. You know, and that that is so critical. Now, I can remember just not less than five years ago, six, seven years ago, probably in that range, that we were talking about the euro becoming the world-dominant, you know, currency. Uh, And and you just mentioned it, (laughs) that Germany thinks from a standpoint one way and the Rest of the eurozone thinks in another. So, how is that push pull, David? How does that affect how they do business? I mean, that's to me that's the that's the crux of a real problem in the eurozone. I, I think you brought up two really good points, Jim. First of one is you should never trust experts because you're right. Everybody <laughs> said it was going to be the uh, 
the reserve currency, and it turned out not to be the case. Yeah, we're but David, you're from, an expert, so uh, you know. I know, <laughs> but we trust David. We trust David. I, 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 I think there, I think a healthy amount of skepticism about anybody is always a good idea. <laughs> okay, uh, all right, David's no longer on the program because we got to be skeptical. No, I'm kidding. Go ahead, yes, David. Uh, no, but but you're right. So, so what really happens here is. I, I think, you know, we had the bond buying program here in the U.S. from the Federal Reserve, which was known as quantitative easing, where the Fed was buying bonds uh, in the open market. I think that's what the ECB ultimately is headed to do. Uh, but in terms of how, how aggressively you respond to, to weak economic growth uh, by your central bank, the U.S. was very aggressive. Uh, the European Central Bank, because of this tension, uh, perhaps because of this tension with, with the Germans, in our opinion, uh, may have led to slower response times do you, or less aggressive policy. Do you think that the Euro Bank, Euro Central Bank, the ECB, and and the, and the Fed do they function? For our listeners, give us the the you know economics one hundred and one class freshman class. We hear a lot about central banks. We do, and we hear you know that it's uh, you know powerful in what it does, and and how do they think the same way, David? Or can you help us a little bit? Would you would you judge these guys the same way, or or how do they think uh, differently? Okay, uh, they do think differently. In our opinion, the Fed, uh, the U.S. Central Bank, has a mandate from Congress to keep uh, inflation low and maintain full employment. So it's what's known as a dual mandate mm-hmm. of, of low inflation uh, and high employment. The European Central Bank, and, you, and, you, and you're right to keep focusing on Germany, remember they had the hyperinflation uh, after the First World War. Right. And their central bank uh, at the time was the Bundesbank, and after that they said, no more inflation. So they don't have a, the German Central Bank did not have a dual mandate it was simply to keep inflation very low. And that's kind of the heritage that the European Central Bank comes from. So while the U.S., and, and certainly if you read Janet Yellen's comments, she's very concerned about the U.S. labor market, very concerned about unemployment. So she's been more aggressive, and the Fed has been more aggressive, at lowering interest rates on the front end of the curve, which is all they really control, uh, in the, versus the European Central Bank. But there, there is this mindset that ECB is beginning to think about uh, some security purchases, some, some doing some quantitative easing in their own light. Do you think that's a good thing for them? I mean, I can see that changing a little bit. Give us your, your overall thought. I mean, that was on the news here not too long ago. So what do you think? Yes, sir. I, I think that you're right that, that it is changing. And given the amount of that, un- that large amount of unemployment that you've talked about, Jim, that's, that's not only prevalent in Spain, but, but most of Europe, I would be in personally, and it's only my personal opinion, uh, I think it's probably the right thing to do, which is to go ahead and start buying securities to see if you can't stimulate the economy. It seems to have worked here in the U.S. We don't Now, remember, the Fed's starting to taper, starting to wind down its quantitative easing program, so we're going to have to see how it ends here in the U.S., and what the consequences might be, but it certainly seems to have been effective in helping pulling us out of uh, the post-crisis period, Uh, and I think it would probably be beneficial if the Europeans were to do something similar. David Land is, our, of course, our regular guest here on uh, Talk Money. He's a CFA Vice President and Portfolio Manager for Advantage Capital. And, David, you know, you, you always do a great job in taking as, uh, those the complex things, as he does, and, and talks about when, we, when we're looking at Europe 
uh, so critical. David, can you give me a summary, though, of, of what you think? I mean, where are we today? I mean, uh, I heard someone say recently an unbelievable market. No, not not saying unbelievable meaning wow, but unbelievable meaning I just don't believe People aren't the, buying it, right? Yeah, just don't buy the market. Uh, give us your thoughts on that. And just um, we got about three minutes here. I mean, the bottom line is help me help me help clients and listeners think about the rest of the year. I think what we're facing, Jim, is is what, I think this European um, weakness is probably going to. To affect the U.S. because not not only are we looking at domestic investors investing both the U.S. equity and bond market, but uh, our best guess is that the weakness in Europe will drive some investors in Europe to invest in U.S. equities and fixed income because there's higher returns potentially to be had here in the U.S. than let's say versus Europe. So people seek you know capital always seeks its highest and best use. So it's possible that money that would be otherwise invested in Europe starts to move over to the U.S., and that could actually drive our markets higher. Uh, it has the potential to do that. Now, how that plays out, it's difficult to know, uh, but I think that's a factor that most people aren't factoring in when they when they think about the markets is simply the capital that may leave Europe looking for a better home and may move over to the U.S. And that hap- has happened before, and uh, it does happen. I mean, bottom line is we... We know that that's a mindset that your people, the money looks for where the best buy is and uh, where they've got the you know, the most future. Now, if you were if you were thinking though, and you know, again, past performance not a good indicator of future performance. You got to get advice. You just don't do this based on what we're going to say on the radio. But Europe may be ultimately a decent buy right now if we're looking at uh, foreign equities, and I mean, because they're depressed to some degree, David. Can you kind of think, give us a thought on that quickly? Yes, sir. My, my thought is always the same, which is uh, investors should have a broadly diversified portfolio. And you're absolutely right. I mean, if your time horizon is, you know, if you invest in equities, you should have a long-term time horizon. Right. And over the long term, there's some fantastic companies in Europe uh, that you might, you know, I'm not an equity expert, uh, but there's certainly some equities over there that might be very attractive. They have some world-class companies, as you mentioned, world-class companies in Germany, world-class companies all over Europe that uh, I have not looked at them. But, you know, it's very possible that they could look quite attractive on a valuation basis. Exactly. Right now, so. Yeah. Electrolux just bought the uh, appliance division out of General Electric for $3.3 billion. And they, their comment was, it gives them competition here in the United States over Whirlpool. So, I mean, that's people don't think that Swedish company Electrolux uh, can buy the appliances company from General Electric. They do it all the time. People do it like, you know, that's the European, that's the foreign market. So It's a different mindset when you're thinking about long-term investing. Like most investors would be running for the doors if they're in the Ukraine and right. Russia, but a long-term investor, as David said, you know, you might find value in a specific company. It might be a place you would want to deploy some but capital. But always get advice doing that and always have a long-term time. David, we appreciate it, man. You just, um, again, he helps us. He great gives job. us great uh, information. Always well-prepared and uh, just a great guest to have. I appreciate him always being on the program. Sir, have a wonderful day, and uh, we'll talk to you again. Thank you both so much. Take care. Uh-huh. Thanks, David.
Bye-bye. Great show today. David Land from Advanced Capital Management. I want to thank David. Had some great insights on the economy. And I want to thank Art Frederick, our program director, Francis Fordner, our guest coordinator, Eleanor Moskovitz, and Katie Brashear, who are our production assistants, Jeff Long, our compliance officer, Drew Johnson, who writes our Mid-South History Moments, and Rebecca Brazier, who reads them. I hope you can join us next week for Mac Bailey and Bill Reginald. But until then, I'm Keith Quinn. And I'm Jim Shoemaker. Join us next week and we'll help you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.